Before we get started in this episode, a quick announcement. As you know, I'm very passionate about acceptance and commitment therapy, and I also run a busy practice in Canberra. We're currently looking for psychologists who are registered in Australia to join our team, who are also passionate about learning about ACT. We provide supervision on a group and individual basis and training around ACT. So if this is you, if you're interested, please express your interest at strategicpsychology.com.au forward slash careers. Look forward to hearing from you. And now back to this episode. Okay, life can be crazy. You're feeling like you're sinking. Just trying to find a meaning. It's time for better thinking. Yeah, better thinking. Time to tune in. Let's go. Welcome back to Better Thinking. My name is Nesh Nikolic and my guest today is Professor Virginia Slaughter, who's here to talk to us about a very difficult question that's been posed since 1977, which is, do infants imitate from birth? Virginia is a professor of psychology at the University of Queensland, where she founded the Early Cognitive Development Centre. Her research focuses on social and cognitive development in infants and young children, with particular emphasis on social behaviour in infancy, theory of mind development, and the acquisition of peer interaction skills. Virginia is a fellow of the Academy of the Social Sciences in Australia and a fellow of the Association for Psychological Science. This has been an absolutely fascinating conversation with Virginia and her passion is immense. Really asking this this hard question and seeing it through the eyes of science. So I've had a really good opportunity to look at Virginia's work and I think what she's doing is wonderful and taking science to the next level in her new research to ask this question. So I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. I certainly have. Virginia, big thank you for coming onto the show today. It's my pleasure. Before we are, you know, started recording this, you were talking a little bit about a controversy, controversy that started up again. Uh, can you maybe uh, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about that, and and we can kind of go go from there because I know it's something that you know you're very passionate about, and it's been you know, a forty year forty year um, uh, journey. Yes, so probably people will be familiar with this idea. Um, and you can see it in textbooks. You can see it in parenting books. Um, once in a while, there's a popular newspaper article about it. Um, the idea is that from the moment they're born, human babies connect with other people through imitation. So back in 1977, there was a paper published in the top journal, Science, um, that purported to show that newborn babies within the first um, couple of days of life would produce the same gesture with their faces or their hands that an adult um, produced. So stick your tongue out at the baby, the baby sticks his tongue out back. Open your mouth at the baby, baby opens his mouth back. Wave your fingers, baby waves fingers. And it was, a, it was a big news um, because nobody thought that newborn babies were so capable at that time. Um, so, it became a very popular notion 
because of all the theoretical trapping around it, which was that the reason we have this advanced capability from the time of birth is that human beings are super social. And so in order for a relatively helpless human social being to survive, it needs a way to connect with other people. And we connect with other people by resonating with them, by imitating them, by mimicking them. These things are all, you know, basically the same idea. And so this really caught on, this idea that there is something coming from the newborn baby that creates a connection. It's not just one-way traffic of adults taking care of babies. It's babies reaching out to connect with adults. So that's the idea, and it's a, it's a very compelling one. I was, I was going to ask you, uh, do you recall, I know it's obviously a long time ago, but do you recall how that was, uh, I suppose, established or um, maybe a better word is, is hypothesized and, and the evidence that they put forward to, to say that, you know, if you wave, they wave or you stick your tongue out? Because, you know, as a parent, uh, we've all seen that in our kids. And, and how do we establish that it's a, uh, a mirroring, you know, a mimicking response rather than uh, confirmation bias of, of a researcher trying to find what they uh, want to find because that sounds really exciting and, and groundbreaking. Yeah, well, that is a very good question um, because while people who try to argue for neonatal imitation um, sort of argue the former, I think it's really the latter. I think I think we're biased to see babies as people who want to connect with us. But the evidence base um, is this. Researchers go to the newborn um, and they present a gesture, tongue protrusion, and they do it about 10 times over the course of 15 or 20 seconds. Then they wait see what the baby does. Then they repeat the gesture. They wait and see what the baby does. And this can vary from, you know, a couple of minutes to quite long, four or five minutes. Then they sort of reset, put something else in front of the baby, maybe shake a rattle or something. And then they come back and they do a different gesture. So they did tongue protrusion before. Now they do mouth opening or eyebrow raising or making a sad face or waving their fingers. And they present that to the baby in the same way that they did the first gesture. And then what they do is they code the baby's behavior straight through all of that activity, basically counting up how many times do they stick out their tongue and how many times do they do any other gesture that has been presented. And then the analysis is to see whether there are more tongue protrusions when that's being modeled compared to when something else is being modeled. Whether there are more mouth openings when that's being modeled compared to when something else is being modeled. So it's quite a good design because it controls for babies just increasing all activity when they see somebody making faces. Um, and it tries to be specific in showing that the, the 
uh, gestures that babies produce are matching what they've what they've seen. But if you've hung out with a newborn baby, you know that they are very disorganized and it is very, very difficult um, to figure out exactly what they're doing because in protruding their tongue, they open and close their mouth and they wave their hands around and vice versa. They don't imitate in that neat, clean, you do it, then I'll do it way that older children or adults do. So that's probably where the difficulties come in, is in trying to establish that the babies have responded in a specific way to a specific stimulus. I'm assuming there, there might even be a, a third group which simply just looks at all of those characteristics, whether it's a poking your tongue out or um, moving your fingers when no stimulus is, is, is provided, um, you know, where someone's just in front of, uh, you know, uh, with, a, I imagine, a blank face, not, not showing any expression uh, yeah. to try and so get a baseline. That's, yeah, that's another baseline or control yeah, condition yeah, that yeah. people have used. So after, so what I just described, that cross-target methodology where you compare, um, you know, crossing over responses to, um, to, jet, to modeled gestures, that was the methodology that was published in the original paper in, um, in 1977. And then following that publication, a lot of people wanted to establish something similar and a range of different methodologies were developed, um, including what you've suggested, um, comparing responses in front of a moving face to responses in front of a still face. Other people just simply, you know, hung out with the baby, interacted with the baby, and then counted up the number of times that they thought they saw some form of an imitation. Um, there's been all sorts of different uh, methodologies used. That's another problem in this literature. So it becomes hard to um, characterize the entire literature when you have something as volatile and unpredictable as a newborn baby, and you're applying all these different methodologies to try to get at th this one phenomenon. So for about 20 years, there was, within the developmental literature, there was some debate about whether this was really true that newborns imitate. Some, some methods replicated the effect, others didn't. It wasn't really widely known. It did creep into some developmental um, textbooks. But then in the early to mid 90s, mirror neurons were discovered. And as you know, mirror neurons are specific That was with neurons. the Reese monkeys uh, experiments, right? Yeah, yeah. So they were first observed in um, macaques. Um, and this was single cell recordings. Um, the researchers in Italy uh, were can actually. You just, can you just go through that if you don't mind for our listeners who aren't familiar with mirror neurons? Yeah. So this, it's a, it's a kind of, it's a topic that has now really expanded and it's probably the basic ideas is familiar to a lot of people. The idea is that our brains effectively mirror 
um, other people's brains through copying actions. So it was first, um, this was first proposed um, by uh, Italian researchers who were doing single cell recordings of uh, motor neurons in the macaque brain, trying to understand, you know, what are the brain mechanisms that lead macaques to um, produce one sort of grasp as opposed to another. Um, and what they accidentally discovered while there was a recording of one of these motor neurons of, of the macaque, what they accidentally discovered was that it fired just as strongly when the macaque watched someone else do the, the action as when the macaque produced the action himself. So basically you've got one neuron that is mirroring yourself and other people. It fires irrespective of the actor. Whenever it sees a grasping motion, it fires. That's the basic idea. And everybody got super excited about this because you know people have long wondered, how is it that we get insight into what other people are thinking and feeling and about to do? We seem to know that automatically. Well, maybe it's Maybe it's mirror neurons. And so there was then, you know, just a, an explosion of research on this, both in non-human primates and in humans. Um, we now know that definitely there are mirroring um, networks within the human brain, um, which show activity both when you produce actions and when you observe those same actions. And in the process of this mirroring um, explosion, people went back to the idea that actually newborns can do this. So mirror neurons are potentially our evolutionary uh, endowment. They're built in. The way that human beings connect with others from the time of birth is with preset, pre-programmed mirror neurons. And so that was a new wave of interest in neonatal imitation. And that was obviously the hypotheses. The, what was the research that you're aware of that um, was a bit more scientific in nature to, to actually, I can't imagine what the ethics would look like, but uh, to, to try and observe that um, in an infant, because uh, obviously, it's one thing to do that with 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 uh, uh, animal studies, uh, but to extrapolate that and hypothesise that it's occurring um, in young person has that has that or in infants has that um, uh, was that just the hypotheses that that was put forward and 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 I suppose evolved from there, or was was it taken a bit further? No, um, it's theoretical. Um, you you can't do a single cell recording. Uh, in an, in a in a baby, um, you can't even put babies in uh, an fMRI machine, which is where um, where the mirroring networks in adult brains were discovered. So it's really it's really pure speculation. Sure, sure. But which is it, fair enough, you know. We're not we don't want to you know put put children into in, in harm's way. It does. It does all, the pieces do all fit together nicely. So we've got evidence that non-human primates and human adults have these systems in the brain that 
create motor resonance between individuals. Then we have research showing that when people imitate each other, that creates a feeling of closeness and affiliation. Um, and we automatically imitate others really all the time. Um, we tend to copy um, like verbal tics that people have. We might find ourselves speaking with a bit of a funny accent when we're talking to somebody from, from Italy or uh, from the Philippines. Um, we tend to sit in similar postures when we're with people that we feel close to. So this idea that mirroring is an important way that people connect with each other, there is good evidence for that. Um, and so it's just then that one extra step to newborn babies um, where really we're just speculating, but based on that controversial evidence from the 70s and 80s that newborns will copy from the time of birth. So we got into this in um, the 2010s, my research group. We came into this field fully believing that newborns could imitate, that imitation was a social glue that had evolved in humans um, and other primates um, to ensure their social connection and survival. And what we wanted to do was figure out why the evidence wasn't consistent across studies. And we thought it was potentially methodological. We thought there was also maybe individual differences, just like some adults are more or less social. We thought maybe some babies are more or less social and that's evident in their strength of imitation. So we proposed to do this huge project, 106 babies tested for imitation from the first week of birth all the way up until they were 18 months old. And we were looking at not just imitation, but all sorts of different social outcomes with the idea that we would find evidence that they imitate from birth and they maybe differ in how strongly they imitate from birth. And then their early imitation would be a foundation for things like language development, um, uh, social uh, sensitivity, um, theory of mind. So that's what we were trying to do in the like 2010, 2012. And we collected all of the data. And when we analyzed it, we found not a shred of evidence that newborns imitated. Can you tell us a little bit about that process? Uh, you know, uh, I myself, and, and I imagine a lot of uh, the listeners uh, might not be as uh, uh, as understanding as vigorous in the in the research um, methodologies as to how did you look at that question and and what was the data that you collected and how you came up with that conclusion? Yeah, well, um, we we used the methodology that I just described in the beginning that cross mm -hmm. um, cross target methodology. So we had a series of um, gestures that we showed um, to babies and we demonstrated each one for uh, 30 seconds <coughs> and we observed the baby's responses 
for, for an additional 30 seconds. So they had one minute total. With each of 11 gestures, we cast a really wide net. Every gesture that anybody had claimed newborns imitated, we presented. How did we do this? And what, we went to and what are they? Because I, I, I can't even remember what my, my, my little is did when they, were, when they were young. What, what, what are they? Obviously, there's tongue poking, eyebrows raising. Tongue poking, mouth opening, happy face, sad face, finger waving, grasping with all the fingers together, and then some auditory gestures. Mm, e. And we also did this one. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we went to people's houses and um, warmed up, warmed up the baby, basically laid the baby on the researcher's lap, set up two cameras, one focused on the baby's face, one focused on the researcher's face. The researcher got within the newborn's um, focal distance, which is about 25 to 30 centimeters. And went through the script of presenting these different gestures and they were presented in uh, counterbalanced order across all the different babies and we videotaped what they did then separately somebody independent who had never met the baby recorded how many tongue protrusions mouth openings happy faces sad faces etc they did through that period and then we matched it up with what the model had been um, had been producing in her face. And so if there was evidence of imitation, we would have found that babies produced more tongue protrusions when it was that that was the model as opposed to the 10 other models. Yes, yes. And we did not find When you're that. controlling for the other ones, yes, yes. We did not find that. And... We not only didn't find that in the newborn period, we didn't find it in the three follow-ups um, that we did after up to nine weeks. So um, it really, it just wasn't there. And I'll be honest, we kind of freaked out. We couldn't believe it. We <laughs> thought for sure we'd been told it's in all the textbooks. It's in the pediatric manuals. Newborns can imitate. So we did what uh, a lot of people do in this case. We thought, what have we done wrong? What are we missing? Um, and we went back and we did all kinds of extra coding. So we coded, you know, the imitation. We only coded when the baby was actively um, looking at the model. Um, we tried to code not only, say, when the tongue goes all the way out, but when it just pokes out a little bit. So both complete and partial um, versions of the gesture that, that we were trying to get babies to imitate. We, we tried a whole bunch of stuff like that. Basically, we spent two years trying to figure out what we had done wrong. And when we got to the end of those two years, we went, you know what? We're pretty confident now. We didn't do anything wrong. Babies just don't imitate. And then in the meanwhile, we had gone back to the literature from the you know, late 70s, early 80s, and found that you know, the evidence that newborns don't imitate is actually as strong as the evidence that they do imitate, that everybody's been citing that science paper from 1977. In fact, that paper only had 24 babies in it. And there were much better studies um, with you know, 60 babies, even 100 babies, where there was no evidence of imitation. So 
we had been caught up in the <laughs> in the frenzy of mirror neurons, newborn imitation, the beautiful theory that that's how we connect with each other from the moment of birth. Um, and in fact, we couldn't find any evidence that that's there, which doesn't mean that we don't what? imitate. It doesn't mean imitate's not, imitation's not important. It's just not there from the time of birth. Yes, yes, yes. How do you go back retrospectively and look at someone else's research? Like I can understand if I were to approach you and, and say, look, I want to go out and, and, and look at your data um, would you would you share that with me, the video footage? I can try and you know, do my own numbers. I can replicate it, trying to use your your same um, criteria for you know what's a partial or what's a complete gesture, and so on. Nineteen seventy seven. Uh, how do you go back to 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 look at their work or, or or the other ones where maybe some of the methodology wasn't preserved? as well or or, or 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 is it is is it done um uh, uh, uh comprehensively enough that that you're able to go back and, and look at the data um and, and judge it against your your criteria and, and re-examine it yeah no so that's an excellent question if only it were the case that everybody who ever did a neonatal imitation study uploaded their videos to some magical <laughs> place and you could go and look at that. That's not the case at all. Um, and, you know, you can understand why a lot of parents might not be interested in having uh, videos of their baby uh, available uh, for, for all and sundry. So, so what, what we did was we went back and we had a very, very careful look at um, the studies that claimed their, they had found imitation and the studies that uh, claimed they hadn't found imitation. And what we did was uh, a meta-analysis. So we collected details <coughs> about how many babies were tested, what age were they tested, what gestures were they tested on, what, was, what were the precise conditions in which they were tested, um, what was the uh, design that they used, was it cross-target methodology? Was it comparison to a still face baseline? Was there no control? Um, everything we could think of, we, we, we put together um, and we used that to examine the overall effects that were reported in these different papers. Um, and so using that meta-analytic technique, um, we first of all, confirmed that there is just massive variability in the way people design and implement their studies from the location where they test the babies to um, how, how they code um, and how they analyze. Setting that aside, <coughs> when we compiled the data across all the 30 papers that had been published and a couple of unpublished, um, since 1977, we found that overall, there is apparently an effect of neonatal imitation. So if you put all the data together and you analyze it in one clump, ignoring all the, all the differences that are inherent in the way these data have been collected, there, there is an overall effect, but it's not a very convincing one because 
if you look carefully, it's really only a couple of papers that are dragging the effect into, um, into the significant area. The vast majority of papers are really not finding anything important. There's a few papers where there's a large effect reported. And when you pull all of the effects together and do meta-analysis, those couple of papers are making the difference. In addition, in our meta-analysis, we examined the specific choices that researchers had made. Um, like, was the baby familiar with the model? How long was the modeling period? Was the baby sitting in a seat or on his parents' lap? And we could not find any evidence that any of these specific procedural choices made a difference to the overall effect. The only thing that made a difference to the overall effect was the lab that the data was reported out of. Certain labs around the world consistently find neonatal limitation and the rest of them don't. When you researching and, and looking at something like this, that obviously you suspect uh, and in, in, in many ways expect to find, and when the data is not there, can you tell me a little bit about that feeling for you personally and, and, and your team uh, when you discovered that the, the evidence wasn't there to, to uh, support that original hypothesis in 1977? What, what was it like for, for you personally or the team to, to do all that work and, and, and look at the numbers, do the analyses and, and, and still kind of not come up with the answer that you thought you would? Yeah. Um, well, it was, a, it was an emotional journey, I guess you could say. Um, the, initial, the initial feeling was tremendous disappointment and then uh, self-questioning. What did we do wrong? So not assuming that we did a better study than they did in 1977, we assumed that we had done something wrong and whatever they did in 1977 had to be right because, you know, it's been cited so many times and it's in textbooks and stuff. And so it took us a while to work through that feeling. And as I said, we went back and we tried different things. Well, maybe we, maybe we need to eliminate babies who aren't really paying attention to the model, or maybe we need to double check whether the babies were in a quiet alert state, because that's the best time to test them. Um, maybe we need to code the partials as well as the, as well as the complete gestures. We went through all of this stuff. Um, and came out the other side realizing we're good scientists. We did a really nice job here. And this phenomenon just doesn't exist the way people think it does. And that's when we thought, well, let's do a meta-analysis. Let's just have a look and see if you pull what everybody's done, what is the evidence? Um, and so... Yeah, we came through it probably feeling more confident than ever that newborns actually don't imitate. It's not that we did something wrong. It's not that, that um, you know, we're, we're poor researchers. 
we didn't find it. A lot of people don't find it. And in fact, finding it and reporting it is that is less common um, than 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 not finding a strong effect. How have your colleagues responded to your findings? Well, so our the big study that we did with the 106 babies tested over four um, occasions, we published that in Current Biology and we got an immediate response. Uh, Altmet- Have you heard of altmetrics? This is, um, this is a way of tracking how scientific research is um, being communicated about outside of the normal channels of peer review publication. So it looks at people tweeting about your work, people um, you know, writing uh, commentaries about your work, uh, uh, mainstream media coverage of your work. Um, the alt metrics for this study were, were very big, bigger than we'd ever seen. So there was a lot of attention to it. Um, the diehard neonatal imitation researchers, including uh, the one who authored the 1977 paper, um, they were very, very unhappy. Um, and so what they did was wrote to us and said, we think you've made some terrible errors there. You're not very good at, at this. Send us your data and we'll have a look. And so in the spirit of open science, we sent all of our data, not the videos, but the coded um, data of the frequency with which babies had produced gestures in response to different models. Um, we sent it to them. And about a year after our paper um, was published, they published a critique of it with a reanalysis of the data where they claimed that we had done 11 things wrong, which biased our study against finding that newborns imitate. And that we'd also analyzed our data wrong. And if you analyzed it their way, then there was evidence in our data that babies imitated the tongue protrusion gesture, one of 11 gestures. And so that got published. Um, It was not collegial. It was not written in a very nice way. It was was, uh, quite a rude attack, Um, but that happens sometimes. We then wrote to the journal that published that critique and said, hey, have we got to write a response here? Um, And they said, yes, okay. You can, you can write a response, but we'll have to put it through the peer review process. So we wrote a response to their critique. It was peer reviewed, and then it was published together with an invited um, uh, commentary from, from that group. Why do you think there is such a strong holding of that concept 
what what's the resistance? You know, is is there other forcing functions in 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 in, in place here? Why is it important to try and uphold the nineteen seventy seven position? Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you know, and I am you know I probably come I'm probably a bit too too idealistic, but I. I believe in science because the the, the concept of you, you know you're never wrong. Uh, it's, it's just a question of when something else supersedes it, and and it's that's right for that time or it's right for that data until we find something that improves on it. That's you know probably also a nice way to look at us as human beings. You know I'm, I'm I want to evolve, um, and, and and science is supposed to be you know at least uh, representing that and i understand that you can represent science in lots of different ways with statistics and the like but uh, why 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 would it be hold for uh, why would it be so important for that other group to hold on to that version because they've built their careers on this phenomenon so um the 1977 paper was authored by a scientist called andy melsoff andrew melsoff he's at the university of washington very, very senior figure, probably, you know, one of the most highly regarded, highly cited developmental psychologists currently working in the world. Um, And this 1977 paper is largely what made his reputation. Um, And he's influenced a lot of people who have also, you know, claimed to find uh, imitation in neonates. And so it was, it was basically challenging something that they had held dear for, for, for 40 years or more. That said, um, this particular phenomenon has polarized people for decades. So as I mentioned, the 1977 paper came out And then there were a couple of non-replications that came out immediately after. And that just basically set up two camps, believers and non-believers. And it it, it just seems to have stayed that way. Some phenomena are like that, you know? I think when the mirror neurons were discovered and then this beautiful theory of an inborn neurological mechanism called mirror neurons that connects newborns to their caregivers, when that sort of became popular and and mainstream, both in the scientific community and in the, in, in popular media, um, nobody, nobody wanted to break it. Least of all those who had created it. And the question here is really not about whether human beings imitate one another and mirror one another. That 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 that's understood and known, and it's a clear yes, and we've all experienced it. Uh, the question is, at what point does that begin to happen? Uh, and the question here is, is does it start from birth? Uh, and and uh, from what you've observed in your research and and, and the analyses is, uh, and the meta-analyses, which you know is important to to, to note because uh, I appreciate that's a very high standard and and and, and uh, um, uh, a good way to do science is it doesn't show 
that there is a significant result there um, that's not occurring at that point. Is there an idea uh, from from what you've uh, looked at as to when that does start to occur? What is that uh, time frame that we we we're able to 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 observe uh, uh, um, imitation occur? Um, well, if you go back to the original developmental psychologist, the first person who ever took human babies and children as an object of scientific study, Jean Piaget, um, he observed it um, starting to come online between about five and eight months. Um, and we are currently doing uh, some new research to try to try to pin this down. We've come around to this idea. It's not that babies imitate adults from birth. It's that adults imitate babies from birth. And you will know if you've been involved in an imitation game with a child, if you start copying them and then they copy you and you copy them and they copy you, it becomes this feedback loop and it kind of doesn't really matter who started it, right? You're connecting together. And so we're doing some research now where we're looking at the extent to which parents imitate babies and how that uh, links to the emergence of imitation. We're also using a brand new methodology that's never been applied in this context, which is um, EMG electromyography. So instead of sticking our tongues out of babies and watching, trying to figure out, are they sticking out their tongue or are they not sticking out their tongue? We're putting electrodes on the muscles that would be required for babies to protrude their tongues. And we'll be measuring whether there is any activity in those muscles when the babies are watching a model poking out their tongue. So what we may find is that we missed it. There is newborn imitation, but it's just super duper subtle and we can capture it with uh, this EMG signal. Or we may find that, um, no, it's not there at birth, but what we'll be doing is a longitudinal study to see when um, point. it starts to emerge. Wow, that's... Uh... That's a lot of work uh, and a lot of effort. Uh, I, I can I can I can see how passionate you are about getting this right. You know, not 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 to be uh, you know right against anyone else, but to find the truth. To 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 say, sure, we can't go in and, and look at these mirror neurons, um, but the next best thing is let's look at how muscle tension uh, displays, which is. Uh, you know, going to be once again far superior than a measure that we may or may not agree on. Uh, it's always hard to, to to come up with a criteria that all um, uh, all of us mark down and record the same. So um, that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, when 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 do you look at uh, starting starting that, and what what, what sort of timeframes that that does this sort of span? Well, this, this project is actually just getting started. Um, 
obviously we have to wait until the global pandemic settles down because um, yes. we don't want to be doing face-to-face -face testing with newborn babies when there's a risk that uh, that there that there might be viral transmission. Uh, but the, the what we've got is a, a van, a mobile lab with the EMG um, machine in the back of it. So once we start recruiting for this study, um, we'll be driving to people's homes and they can bring their newborn baby out into the comfortable van. We'll put a couple of electrodes on the baby's face and on the hand, and then we'll present them with models. We're also doing an innovation here where the models will have two kinds of models, both live models where as you kind of alluded to early on, where you have a potential for a little bit of bias creeping in because any interpersonal interaction, you're reacting momentarily to the way you're being reacted to. So it's entirely possible that, you know, the reason our meta-analysis found that some labs find more imitation is that there's something going on in the way they interact with the babies, the way they test the babies. So to make it completely objective, we'll then also present babies with a videotaped model. So it'll be the exact same gestures, but produced by a model on screen so that they cannot alter what they do in response to the baby's activity. And that'll actually be um, one of the one of the research questions is, is there any difference when you've got a live model versus a videotaped model? Our meta-analysis suggests we may find a difference there because as I said, some labs find neonatal imitation and some labs don't. And let, let me just clarify that. So with the meta-analysis, you, you're pulling all of the data that's ever been collected over the last 40 years on neonatal imitation, and you're pulling out an overall mean. Um, and, and, and so you have a lot of power to test the hypothesis there. What we found was that some labs are, are more likely to find it than other labs, but it doesn't mean that everybody else reported a null result. So of those uh, 30 some odd um, studies that we pooled for the meta-analysis, it was only a, a handful of them that reported no evidence of imitation. Um, but when you pool all the data together and you get a grand mean, then that puts things in, in a different perspective. So some that had reported, oh yes, we did find imitation, actually in the grand scheme of things, because it's just a little tiny sample, it actually isn't a reliable result. I'm fascinated to uh, hear so much more about this uh, this controversy and, and, and debate, how it's been ignited and, and to find out uh, the results from this study that's, that, that's going to be going ahead. Can, can you uh, uh, let our audience know a little bit about how people might be able to find out more or about your work to date, um, how they might be able to get in, in, in touch? Yeah, sure. So I'm at the University of Queensland. Uh, my name is Virginia Slaughter. This research is um, being conducted within our laboratory, our developmental laboratory at the University of Queensland, which is called 
the Early Cognitive Development Center. And we have a website where we regularly update on projects that are going on and findings um, that we produce. Also, um, just last year, um, I published um, a review article in a journal called Trends in Cognitive Sciences, um, which is, it's, it's not a journal for lay people necessarily, it's more for professionals who aren't um, in the particular field that you're writing about. So um, from what I know about your audience, that, that would be um, potentially an accessible, um, an accessible way to, to learn more about this. So it was in Trends in Cognitive Sciences and the title was Do Newborns Imitate? Virginia, I uh, thank you so much for, for your time and, and generosity. I know how valuable and, and, and busy your schedule is. And I just appreciate you sharing all of this and, and, and also you know, these insights with, 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 with science. It's exciting to, to see what's you know, the latest. Uh, and and you know, we, we need to continue posing these questions as, as you know, we, we want to be informed by you know, what, what is uh, hopefully you know, true so that we can you know, consider whether it's as, as parents or as researchers, you know, science to, to um, you know, do the best that we can with, with, with one another and obviously with our um, beautiful, precious infants as well. So thank you very much for, for your time. Well, thank you. I enjoy talking about this and I really appreciate your being interested in what I had to say. Thanks, Virginia. If you enjoyed this podcast, please support it by going to iTunes and putting a review, subscribe, share it via social media, and tell others about it. Start a conversation. It's listeners like you that make this able and possible and why we bring in these guests to go out and share their knowledge and resources. And just lastly, if you are a psychologist and you want to go out and be part of a bigger team, develop your experience and get into some exciting work, come to strategicpsychology.com.au forward slash careers and reach out. I'd love to hear from you.